Well, this time, if you would uh, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians, uh, we're going to go ahead and continue our series through the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord is what we're calling this series. And uh, the idea here is that we need to rejoice uh, in Him despite our circumstances, despite the situation we're in, uh, because Paul was uh, in difficult circumstances when he wrote this book. He was sitting in a he was under house arrest, and he had a Roman soldier chained to him. That was uh, probably not the nicest co- company to have uh, 24-7, and uh, yet that was his life, and that's, when he, uh, that's where he was when he wrote the book of Philippians, and he yet chose to rejoice in the Lord, and uh, so an encouragement for all of us as well. Well, Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to finish this chapter this morning, and uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 17, read down through verse 21, and if you would join me in standing... As we read through this passage together, if you're able to physically stand. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through 21. Verse 17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself." And let's pray this morning. Lord, we're grateful to be in your house. We're grateful to have your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for the freedom to be uh, meeting here today like this. Thank you, Lord, for the comfortable building you've provided. Lord, now as we look in this passage, I pray that you would teach us what we need to know and help us, Lord, to take heed to what you'd have for us and to be obedient to the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of the message this morning is a tutorial for walking in Christ. Now, How many of you have ever used YouTube as a resource on how to do something? Would you raise your hand? Okay, keep your hands raised if you do this on a regular basis. Yes, uh, me as well. I watched a tutorial Uh, this past week on how to smoke a turkey. And I'm very much excited to try this out this week. Uh, First time ever doing it. First time smoker. So this will be good. Uh, I'm excited about smoking this week. Smoking the turkey. I probably should throw that in. Unless someone takes this out of context. A couple weeks ago, my son Mark uh, made a a little knife out of... uh, Aluminum foil and duct tape and aluminum, one of those disposable aluminum cooking pans that we had around, and it was uh, done, and it was going to be thrown away. Well, Mark took it and cut it up, and he made a knife, and I thought, I said, man, that's really cool. You should make a video on how to do that. Well, he did. <laughs> I was kind of teasing. Uh, he did, and uh, I actually have a little bit of an edited version to show you this morning. And I thought you might like to see it. So 
Alright, we like got the volume up good. I'm gonna be showing you how to make a uh, knife. We're gonna take this. Okay. And <laughs> take your little multi-tool and try to straighten it out. See how my blade is really, that's gonna be your blade. It's really bent. It needs to be all the way straight. Should be looking like that. The blade's gonna be looking really small, but then it's gonna get really big. You're gonna wanna pull, pull as hard as you can. And that is it for today. Hi, my name's Markham. So, there we go. I think he has a future in being a YouTuber. I was like, man, this guy's going to be something. He's going to be rolling in the dough with all these advertisers wanting to... Oh, man, he is going to be the next big one. Maybe. Well, a little, a little over a week ago, our, our oven stopped working. Uh, that's, a, that's a bad thing right before the holidays, right? Um, ovens are supposed to heat. Well, our, ours wasn't heated. Yeah, heating. You would turn it on, and it would act like it's trying to do something, but it wouldn't do anything. And, uh, well, my wife was maybe thinking, hey, get a new oven out of this whole thing. It's a blessing in disguise. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Uh, no, 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 we're going to try to fix this thing, babe. <laughs> um, so on Tuesday morning, which was uh, my day off, I began to research the problem that my oven was having. And, uh, and then I stumbled across a YouTube video on how to fix the issue. And I was like, good. And so I watched it and started the process. And all it required was taking six screws uh, off. And, and then uh, I ordered a $20 part off of Amazon and uh, did free one-day shipping because I'm a Prime member. Amen. Um, then on Wednesday, once the part arrived, it took about 15 minutes to install it and put the oven back together. And before we knew it, we were quite literally cooking with gas. And it was awesome. One tutorial saved us hundreds, yay, even almost thousands of dollars. Uh, some of the ovens she was looking at. Uh, these tutorials can be very, very helpful. Um, very much so. Well, in our text this morning, Paul here shares a tutorial on walking as a Christian. And if we're careful to take heed to this tutorial as well, um, it can save us great heartache and sorrow in our lives, as well as a lot of the other YouTube ones that can help you fix things. But this is far more important because it has eternal implications, and not just financial implications. Uh, this isn't the only time that Paul uh, encouraged or talked to a church family about how they should walk. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, he said, Furthermore, we, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. So he encouraged the Thessalonians as well on their walk and how to do so. And so this morning, I would like you to notice with me from this passage three important lessons Paul is trying to teach us in this tutorial regarding walking in Christ. The first lesson we see here in this passage in verse number 17 is the lesson to follow the right example. To follow the right example. 
Verse 17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. Look, when it comes to walking forward and going to higher ground, and if you were here last week, uh, we talked about going to higher ground, spiritually speaking, and that's what Paul talked about in the verses before the passage we just read. Uh, going, if we're going to go forward and go to higher ground, it's important to follow the right example. Well, what examples are we supposed to follow? Well, it's interesting to note, first of all, we are to follow the pattern of faithful Paul. Paul is setting himself here as the example. Well, this wasn't the first time he did this. He said multiple times to be followers of him and to the church at Corinth, he told them twice. Once in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he said this, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which would be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So he told the church at Corinth in chapter 4 to be followers of him. And then in chapter 11, he says it again. He says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And then to Timothy, he said this. He said, uh, thou hast known my doctrine, my manner of life. He said, you've seen my example. Now, John Phillips in his commentary on this verse says this. Paul was not being egotistic. You might look at that and say, boy, he must think he's pretty something to say, be followers of me. But look, the Holy Spirit was guiding Paul's pen in this situation. The Holy Spirit, John Philip says, had no better example to set for us than that of Paul. The example of Christ is, of course, taken for granted here, but on the purely human level, Paul was the ideal missionary, the ideal soul winner, the ideal pastor, the ideal teacher, and the ideal practitioner of the faith. And certainly, Christ is our example. That's what John was saying, John Phillips was saying. But, but here on a human level, I mean, Jesus, Jesus wasn't just human. I mean, uh, Jesus didn't have a sin nature, but Paul did. And so Paul was, the Lord was able to set Paul up as uh, an illustration of someone who were to follow. Um, I hesitate to even bring this up, but God has called me to be an example as well. Right. Now, I am just a Christian just like you, but the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 5, he says to the pastors, feed the flock of God which is among you. This is what I'm supposed to be doing as the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church. Feed the flock of God which is among you, which hopefully I'm doing today. You may not look at it like this. You might be thinking, oh, I'm just sitting here listening to a sermon. But really what I'm doing is feeding you. I'm giving you spiritual meat. And I hope that you don't go, eh, eh. No likey. Like I did when I was a kid. Okay? I hope that you go, I may not love the taste of this, but I know it's going to be good for me, and I know I need to hear it. And so I'm supposed to feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. No one's supposed to twist my arm. Sometimes I may need a little encouragement to, 
to do the job, but um, I need to be doing it willingly. And then the next verse says, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. So God sets me up as an example. And, and so I would just ask you, please be praying for me, be praying for our family. It's, it's not an easy spot to be in. Now, it's a spot that God has us, and we're thankful for it, but, but we need your prayers. Um, we need your prayers that we would be the right example. And, and Paul, I'm sure, would say the same thing and did say the same thing as he said, Brethren, pray for us. Um, he knew that he was made of flesh and bone, and, and uh, he was susceptible to the temptations outside uh, in, in this life. Uh, Spurgeon said this, A man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. If his life and doctrine disagree, the mass of onlookers accept his practice and reject his preaching. And so Paul understood that, that he had a tremendous responsibility in setting himself as the example. Um, and I, I do want to encourage you to follow the example of those who are walking in the right direction. And that leads me to, to the next thought here. Not only the, the pattern of faithful Paul, but also the pattern of faithful people. In verse number 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. In other words, there are others who are faithful as well. Mark them. In other words, kind of just pick them out of the crowd and say, I'm going to follow their steps as well. I'm going to let them be the influence in my life. I know it can seem like there are very few faithful people out there to follow in, anymore. But uh, do you remember what Elijah felt after Mount Carmel? Remember there in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, as he calls down fire from heaven and this tremendous spiritual victory and just an amazing story, and he was literally on the mountaintop, not only physically, but spiritually as well. I mean, just a tremendous miracle comes down from the mountaintop, and all of a sudden Jezebel's mad at him. He starts running for his life because this angry woman is after him. You know, he began to get a pity party, didn't he? Um, and he said, uh, he said, you know what? I'm just going to end my life. It's just not worth living anymore. And the Lord had to kind of figuratively slap him on the face and say, would you, would you wake up? Would you snap out of it? Do you realize that there are 7,000 in Israel who had not bowed the knee and bail? You're not alone, bud. There's others who are doing right. Stay in the battle. And so I want to encourage us. Look, I realize that uh, as we look at some things happening in our country, it can be discouraging and a little depressing. I understand that. But there are still many who are faithful. And I want to thank God for those who are staying by the stuff. Thank God for those who are deciding to still live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. God places a great importance in our lives about who our company is, who we allow to influence us. 
there's a, there's a lot of people, young people, growing up going, I want to be an influencer. Like that's their job title. That's the career path. I want to be an influencer, you know, on Instagram or on YouTube. I want to be an influencer. Okay. Uh, if you do, make sure that you're being the right type of influence, that your influence is in line with the Word of God. But those of us who are maybe not, maybe what would consider the world would consider influencers, we need to make sure that the influencers in our lives are influencing us for right. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Uh, those were the words of Solomon, and Solomon would know because he experienced that. He stopped walking with wise men and he became a fool. He realized it in the book of Ecclesiastes. But look, nearness is likeness. You better make sure that those around us that are having influence in our lives are influencing us to be more like Christ instead of more like the world. Psalm 119, verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Let me read that again. Here the psalmist says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. You know what the psalmist is saying here is that he says, I have chosen to surround myself with those who fear the Lord and obey his word. Would that describe the friends that you have in your life? And I realize that, you know, some who go to work, you have to work with people who don't fear the Lord. Those who go to school have to go to school with some who don't fear. The, I get that. But the ones that you choose to make your closest friends, are they ones, like the psalmist said, are, are they those that fear the Lord? Are they those that keep God's precepts? Because God says, look, if you surround yourself with wise people, you're going to become wise. But if you surround yourself with people that are fools, you're going to be destroyed. None of us are an exemption to that truth. You say, well, I just like to help people. I just like to help pull people up. And you all know the illustration of trying to pull someone up and them trying to pull you down. Boy, it's a lot easier for them to pull you down than it is for you to pull them up. Does that describe the friends that you have in your life? How about your online friends, your Facebook friends, your Instagram followers and the ones that you follow on social media? Are they ones that would fit this category? I'm a companion of all them that fear the Lord and of them that keep thy precepts. Now, I get that no one's perfect. But look, every friend that we have in our lives is an influence. Paul here in, in our text is encouraging this church family and us as well to choose carefully who they are going to follow. And so as we're walking the Christian walk, it is extremely important, and I cannot really overstate how important the choice of your companions is. Follow the right example. So as Paul is giving us this tutorial, he'll come on this video and say, Hi, I'm Paul. You need to choose the right influences in your life. Choose to follow the right examples. And those who do, have a far greater chance of making it to that summit, making it to the higher ground that we talked about last week. So first of all, 
follow the right example. But then secondly, flee from the enemies. The second instruction here in verse number 18 and 19, here Paul says, look, you need to flee your enemies. In verse number 18, it says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, and who mind earthly things. Many time in a tutorial, and you've watched them, right? The narrator will, will sometimes stop and say, oh, by the way, you need to be careful of doing this. And they'll mention things to stay clear of and mention mistakes to avoid. Well, Paul here is mentioning that there are those who will try to take you away from the truth. And he encourages us to stay away from them and to flee them. Notice a couple aspects about these enemies. First of all, notice their number. Their number in verse number 18, he says the second word in that verse, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Unfortunately, there are many people who sadly are, as Paul says, the enemies of the cross of Christ. Not everybody that comes to you and has a real nice, genuine smile and says, I'm a Christian, really is the best influence, and I'm sad to say that. You would think that, hey, we're one in Christ, and we're brothers and sisters, and, and that means that we're all on the same page and all on the same team. Not always. You see, as we grow in Christ, we need to develop a, a, an aspect of discernment in our life to make sure that the influences are indeed influencing us towards Christ and not away from Him. Uh, influencing us towards truth and not away from it. I do want to point out the word here in verse 18, that word weeping. I now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. There was something about this as Paul was writing this. I, I'm sure he didn't really want to write about the fact that there are those who would uh, try to take people away from the truth and try to uh, discourage people from following Christ. I'm sure he didn't want to do that, but he had to. And he did so with weeping. Not because he was mad at them, but I'm sure because he loved them. And I, I, I read in one commentary, it could, it could have meant that uh, some of these people that he's referring to could have been uh, previous me uh, members of this church here at Philippi, and how they had gone off course. It could be. But Paul was an extremely compassionate individual, and uh, as he was writing this, I'm sure that soldier was kind of looking at him who was chained next to him and said, hey, what's, what's wrong, man? You're not going to be here forever. You know, don't worry about it. You, you're probably not going to get executed. And he's like, oh, I'm not crying about that. Well, what are you crying about? Well, there's a segment of population that is trying to pull believers away. And I'm, I'm sad for them. And I'm sad for those who they're pulling astray. So we see here their number, many. And uh, we do need to be very discerning and careful and wise as believers in this day and age. I wish I could say, go into any Christian bookstore and pick out any book you want. But we can't do that anymore. 
there's a lot of junk intermixed with some good things. And we need to be very careful. So we see here their number, but secondly, notice their nature here in verse number 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. The first uh, phrase there, whose end is destruction, refers to their doom. And this could be, this could be why Paul was, was weeping. Because he thought about these people who were pulling people astray. And he thought what was going to happen to them. And, and he was compassionate for them. And didn't want them to deal with the destruction that was going to come their way. He said, I tell you even weeping whose end is destruction. Look, an, in it, an, an eternity separated from God with no hope of escape ever. Outer darkness, wailing, gnashing of teeth, where the fire is not quenched, where you have an eternal memory and you remember the opportunities that you had to come to the truth. And that's what he's referring to, whose end is destruction. But notice here, not only their doom, but they're also their desires. Here in verse 19, whose God is their belly. This doesn't necessarily mean they made a statue of their belly and worship that. No, this was just, they were so sensual. They were so thinking about themselves. They were so selfish and they basically worshiped themselves whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and who mind earthly things. One commentator mentioned that these false teachers were ruled by the sensual, the shameful, and the secular. Paul was showing here that their robe of religion, their righteousness, and respectability was nothing more than a cobweb coat spread over self-indulgence and materialism. It's a good way to say it. That's why I read it. Paul talks about these false teachers uh, to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, For such are false apostles, uh, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. You know, no one's going to come in here and say, I'm a Satanist, can I have influence in your life? Most of us would say, no, you cannot. That's not the way it works. Usually, it's someone who says, hey, brother, I didn't know you were a Christian. Hey, we're having a Bible study at our house. Would you like to come over? Boy, the things they begin to teach are contrary to the actual Word of God. The angles they take are contrary to the Word of God. And you see, they don't come in and say, I'm a Satanist, I want you to totally go away from the truth. They come in as ministers of righteousness, and this is what Paul is warning them about. And uh, if we're going to succeed in our Christian life, if we're going to go on to higher ground, we better make sure that we're not allowing these enemies to have influence over us. So we see here, we need to follow the right example, and then we need to flee from the enemies. And then thirdly, we need to focus on the eternal. 
Here back in Philippians 3, it says in verse 20, well, look in the end of verse 19, who mind earthly things, and then he talks about us as believers, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I remember when I was watching that, that tutorial on, on fixing my oven. He got to the end of it, and, and what, what, what it was in our oven, it was the igniter uh, deal uh, was broken, and it was out, and that needed to be replaced. And, and he put in his video, he put the new one in and, and got that all wired in and, and screwed in, and then he, he kicked on the, the oven, and, and that thing began to start to glow. And then pretty soon, it got so, so bright and so hot, the gas came over and lit, and it was like, poof. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, man, that's going to be cool. I was excited about the result of following this tutorial. Look, the end product motivates me to do the same thing, and and uh, hopefully as we look at what lies beyond this life, it should hopefully motivate us to keep going the right direction, to keep moving forward. So in contrast to these enemies, our uh, responsibility here is uh, believers in Colossians chapter 3, he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. And that's totally different than what these enemies do in verse 19, who mind earthly things. But we are to mind things not on the earth, but on things above. Uh, let's talk a couple quick things about uh, the eternal, and uh, we'll wrap it up this morning. First of all, we are to focus on our current citizenship. Our current citizenship. In verse number uh, 20, it says, for our conversation is in heaven. Now, the word conversation can also, uh, another meaning of that word is citizenship or lifestyle. In other words, we belong to heaven now, not just someday when we pass from this life into the next, but now. Boy, being citizen of heaven is a wonderful thing. Several weeks ago, uh, one of our members uh, became a citizen of the United States of America. Uh, Miss Rosanna Luno is now an American citizen. This happened on uh, Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday uh, evening at a, a baseball game there. And uh, these are some photos taken on that day. And uh, what a special day for her, for her family. And for our nation to have someone go through the process uh, legally and correctly. And uh, what a blessing. And so we welcome you to America, Miss Rosanna. And uh, we are glad that you're a citizen. We're glad that you can vote. And uh, that's a blessing. She became a citizen of the United States on August something. Do you remember the date? This summer, <laughs> this year, she became a citizen. Well, you know, the greatest moment for anyone, though, is when they become citizens of an even greater place, a place called heaven. 
And that happens the moment that someone believes in Jesus Christ. The moment they come to him for salvation is the same moment they become citizens of heaven. You get sworn in at that moment, and I know it may not be the ceremony like we had there at the ballpark, but I'm telling you, it is that real. It happens at the moment of salvation. John 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For me, it was when I was 12 years old, when I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation, when I realized that I couldn't save myself and that I needed a Savior, and that Jesus was that Savior, and, and uh, I believed on Him, and, and uh, He became my Savior, and I became a citizen of heaven at 12 years old. Pretty neat. I didn't have to go through some class. I didn't ha- they have quite the test they have to take in order to become a citizen, and I'm afraid that most uh, real American or other American citizens wouldn't be able to pass that test. Um, I, I would be afraid to take it myself, to be honest. Um, I would hope I'd pass it, but uh, look, there's no test you have to take in order to become a citizen of heaven. You just have to come to Christ and be saved. So it's our current citizenship, and I'm looking forward to the day that I will uh, spend eternity in heaven. But look, Again, it's not something that is my citizenship there isn't just one day. It's now. Uh, Our conversation is in heaven. Current. Are you living like you are a citizen of heaven? Are you walking around like you are a citizen of heaven? Or do you just act like you belong here? Um, uh, well, we used to live near Disneyland and, uh, we had a pass to Disneyland and we would go there, uh, usually on my day off for a few hours and, and, uh, we had a good time, but you could always tell the people who had the annual pass and the people who were visiting from out of town, the tourists, you know, they had the cameras and, and, and nowadays they have the phones, but back in those days they had the big old honking cameras you know, and it was like taking pictures of everything, and we're like, can you please get out of our way? We're just trying to get in the line. We just want to go on our ride so that we can go home and take a nap and then come back uh, because we have passes. <laughs> but you can tell the people who belong there and people who are visiting. Uh, are you just, do you belong here on this earth or are you just visiting? Because the fact of the matter is, this is not my eternal home. Uh, there is my eternal home, and so I need to act like that's my eternal home. I need to act like I'm a citizen of heaven while I'm here on earth. So first, we're to focus on our current citizenship, and then we're also to focus on the coming Christ. In verse number 20, again, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back for us. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul tells Titus, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back for us. Are you ready and are you looking? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 14 says, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
In John chapter 14, it was Jesus who promised that he would come back for us. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Second coming of Jesus Christ may seem like kind of a fairy tale, but I'm telling you, in the Bible, it's a big deal. It's mentioned 300 times alone in the New Testament. We better be ready for him to come back because he come back, could come back before this sermon is over. We don't know when he's coming back, but he is coming back. Marvelous message we bring, glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the king, Jesus is coming again. Maybe morning, it may be noon, it may be evening, and it may be soon. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready for him to come? Look, if he comes and you're not a believer, you're going to go through seven years called the tribulation period. And at first, it's going to seem like no big deal. We're just going to get past this a weird happening that took place with all these believers, all these Christians that are gone missing. But then after those three and a half years are over, this world is going to experience a time like it's never experienced before. And it is called the tribulation period for a reason. Because we're gonna, this world is going to experience the wrath of God like never before. You read the book of Revelation. It's not allegorical. It's not imaginary. It is going to happen like it says it's going to happen. Are you ready for him to come back? Christian, when he comes back, what is he going to find you doing? Is he going to find you busy about the master's business? Or is he going to find you in a very embarrassing and ashamed position? He's coming back. We need to be focusing on that eternal truth. Thirdly, we also need to be focused on the fact of the changing Christian. Verse number 21. When Jesus comes back, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. What a truth. He's going to change this old body. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. John said it this way, Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Look, friend, can I just encourage you this, this morning? That means that one day there will be no more aches. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness, no more disease. No more doctor's appointments. No more dentist appointments. Uh, no more medicine. No more need for essential oils. No more hair loss, praise the Lord. Uh, no more vision problems. No more hearing aids. Uh, 
No more hospitals, no more surgeries, uh, no more waiting for results from medical tests, no more back pain, and half of Cornerstone Baptist Church said, <laughs> look, no more wheelchairs, no more walkers, no more canes, no more acid reflux, praise the Lord on that, no more arthritis, no more cancer, no more AFib. No more dealing with your health insurance. No more copays. No more Alzheimer's. No more dementia. No more hospice. No more death. No more funerals. No more crying. Why? Because according to Revelation 21 and verse 4, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So looking forward to that. Verse 21 says, who shall change our vile body? I don't know about you. Sometimes I look at my body and say, you're pretty vile. Look, I'm looking forward to all the physical blessings of the glorified body, but also the spiritual blessings as well. Look, no more temptation. No more lust. No more pride. No more sin. He's going to change me. He's going to change you too if you're a believer. Jesus' glorified body could, think about this, it could appear or disappear. It could come and go unaffected by space, matter, or time. He was able to walk through a stone wall and then sit down and eat a meal as if he had come in like anyone else. That means we'll still get to eat in the glorified body. Whew. His body still bore the scars of Calvary, but now is engineered for eternity. And the Bible says, we shall be like him. Amen. I'm looking forward to that day. And look, we need to be focused on the eternal. I know this life can get kind of difficult here. But look, it's temporary. One day, it's going to all change. Thousands came to faith in Christ through D.L. Moody's meetings. And as he approached the end of his life, he viewed heaven as something to anticipate, of course. Here's what he wrote. He said, Someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher that is all out of this old clay tentment into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, uh, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. I was born in the flesh in 1837, and I was born of the Spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die, but that which is born of the Spirit will live forever. D.L. Moody said, Are you ready for that day? Are you ready to pass from this life into the next? Have you come to Christ and believed on Him alone for your salvation? If not, I hope that you will make that decision today. And let's look quickly at the end of verse 20, 21 and we'll wrap it up here. It says, He's going to change our vile body. It's going to be fashioned like unto His glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Look, he's, th this verse is talking about, look, he is able to fulfill all of these promises because they're not based on just 
uh, false power. They're faced upon the infinite power of God. It says he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. He's able to bring everything under his control. Everything under his authority. And so he has the power to do all of this. It can be, he can be trusted, my friend. Okay, so with all tutorials, I didn't say that word right, but that's okay. All these videos that you watch to do things, you have a choice. It's up to you whether you take heed to, those, uh, to these videos or not. It's up to you to follow the directions and the instructions of that narrator who took the time out of their schedule and recorded them showing you how to do this. It's up to you whether you decide to do it or not. Come to this. This tutorial for walking in Christ. What are you going to do with this? Paul said, look, you need to follow the right example. Are you going to choose to maybe take inventory of who your friends are? It'd probably be good for us to kind of scroll through some of our friends and say, should I really have them be an influence in my life? I know I could be an influence in their life, but is their negative influence worth it? So take inventory of the examples that we're following and then making sure that we're having some discernment about those in our lives as well and fleeing the enemies. Then focusing on the eternal. Focusing on the fact that like I belong in heaven right now. I need to act like it here on earth. I need to make sure that I'm acting as a good citizen of heaven here and I'm representing him well. I'm representing my homeland well. I need to make sure that I'm focusing on the fact that he is coming back and making sure that I'm staying faithful and making sure that I'm living right and I'm occupying until he comes. And then I can focus on the fact that one day I'm going to lay, the, I'm not going to lay this body down. I'm going to actually, it's going to change. It's going to transform. I'm going to get a glorified body with a big old afro. afro. Just, I'm hoping. It's going to be amazing. Or just long, flowy hair. I don't know. Mental images that you go, I didn't need that in my life right now. <laughs> but what are you going to do with this tutorial? Are you going to take heed to it? I hope you do. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we're thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful, Lord, for this instruction that Paul gives the church at Philippi and that we can benefit from as well all these years later. And it applies to us now. Lord, we're dealing with the same things. We need to follow the right examples in our day and age. We need to be very discerning with those who would try to pull us away from the truth. We need to focus on the eternal things. We need to set our affection on things above. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take heed to these tonight or this morning. That you would help us to um, not just be good hearers, but now good doers of what we've heard. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that's never believed on Christ, is not ready for that day, Lord, help them to make that greatest decision of all. May they come to Christ and be saved while they can. Lord, I know that um, you want to save people, and I pray, Lord, that people would want to be saved. 